Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of A Matter of Truth. I am your co-host, Alex, and joined with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Anthony. Hey, what's up? So it's been a while, it feels like. It's been, it feels like it's been forever since yeah. we've dropped an episode, but it's only been like two weeks. Only two weeks, yeah. I think it's because we got the other one in late. Yeah, we, we, we kind of missed uh, the end of August, which we talked about on the last episode. Right. And, and then we decided to skip the 15th of September because that one just kind of dropped, dropped right in the middle of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then traveling for me and you and work and family, it, September has just been a mess. Yeah. And we said that in the last episode, yeah. too. September was a mess. So we're just kind of shooting yeah. from the hip yeah. this month. Which is okay, you know, because you're dropping the uh, the UL uh, uh, podcasts right on time. So you just got done the, uh, yeah. right? You just dropped. Uh, yeah, that came out today as uh, we record this. Yeah. Today. Yeah, I haven't oh, listened to man. it yet. I, I have to listen to that one again because my <laughs> guest, uh, Chris Gardner, was tremendous. He is so, oh, yeah. so ridiculously smart and Nick from Bible Dingers uh, connected us together. And he actually told me, uh, Nick was telling me that he wrote no notes for this episode at all. Yeah. Really? He just went right off the cuff. And so uh, I was quite impressed with how he just was able to clearly articulate his position and use just an overabundance of scripture to paint the picture. And okay. so it's it's a it's a really good episode, really worth it to listen. Um, but yeah, it's been Undying Light has been just just chugging along. And funny enough, um, with the patrons tonight, I've been kind of going around and we've been discussing like how do we want like I've been asking their opinions on like what do they uh, want in in regards to some Old Testament uh, episodes. I've done. Mm-hmm. Thus far, I've got a pagan episode recorded, pagan uh, culture, eschatology, and then I have a world's religion uh, episode recorded. And then you, I think, listen to 
uh, a snippet of the Genesis episode that I have recorded. Yeah. And so yep. from that, I'm going to look at the flood. And then after that, I kind of don't know if I want to do a high level view through a bulk of the Old Testament. Because really, you know, you, once you get into Exodus, then you get the story of, you know, of, of Moses and you've got um, the Ten Commandments and then you get all the laws and then you get the promised land and uh, and then you get into Joshua and then after that, it's just a lot of, you know, then you get the judges and the kings and things like that. And so there's not a ton of eschatology, maybe post Exodus, but I could be wrong because this is a journey that I'm learning. And so it's so the flood can be tied to eschatology. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you can. It, it could be. And, and, the, and the reason being is you can look at the the flood is in two stages it's the you know uh, the destruction of sinners and then the kind of the reestablishment and so the flood essentially could become a type of um the new heavens and the new earth and but we know that sin still exists and so therefore it's a very very small type of it's not a you know, it wouldn't be like a, how Adam is the type of Jesus and how we can see those two closer related. But the flood can resemble that because God is uh, destroying sinners in, with the flood. And then, you know, and then with Noah, he's kind of I don't want to say redeeming because, again, we still have sin present. But God is giving Noah basically a second chance. And so there's still there's eschatological components about it. So it's the theme of salvation in scripture, giving man another yeah. chance all through right. God's amazing grace. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and and even Jesus quotes it in Matthew 24. So the flood has big implications in scripture. And I think a lot of people kind of pass over it because they don't want to, or they have been um, necessarily trained up to think that the flood is just figurative or it's a, uh, a local thing. It wasn't a global uh, flood. So. Yeah. Yeah, I watched something about uh, the flood geology uh, regarding Noah. It, it was interesting to see the, the evidence that actually supports a global flood because you have the rapidly deposited sediment layers that spread across wide areas. Um, there's also the rock layers that can be traced yeah. all the way across continents, between continents that have the same physical features, um, you know, Rapid burial of plants and animals. I mean, just all of it. Fossils of creatures way above like sea level due to the oceans. Waters having flooding over all the continents. Um, so it's, that's all very interesting. Have you come across believers that only believe it to be figurative? The flood? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it, yeah, I, I, I've heard a mixed things, right? And I've heard that, you know, there's, there's always the camp of young earth versus old earth. And, mm. and really, that's fine, even though people who believe old earth are wrong. That's <laughs> not a big deal. But yeah. um, what we get is. Well, oh. <laughs> let's talk about a little <laughs> bit about. Sorry to interrupt. Young earth versus old earth. I mean, you have uh-huh. the uh, the four basic theories that tr- that try to out that outline, try to outline Genesis one through two. It's the gap theory, age theory, the framework hypothesis and the six day creation. Um and six-day creation being young earth. Um, 
and then you, the uh, then we talk about theistic evolution, which is outlined uh, probably well in the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's about the only way they can really articulate for how everything happens. They're very, you know, they get into like microbiology, microevolution, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, yeah, for the longest time, I, I mean, I would have probably considered myself an old earther. I, you know, really, I, yeah, well into my infancy hmm. of uh, of my Christian walk. But uh, once I really started to just read scripture and just look at how god has laid everything out it it just makes sense to believe in a young earth yeah and it's going to go against the tides of this world but i find that all things of christianity tends to do that and so i'm okay with that yeah and look i mean somehow we're going to say that god can't create um speak something into existence he can't take six days as we know it um to create the earth i mean yeah they, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. He he can do anything he wants. He's God. He can speak it into exist into existence. Yes. And when we start questioning Genesis one through two, is, right? As as okay, that literally happened, and, or it didn't literally happen. You, then you start. You have to question everything else, and I think that's a real problem um, with, with reading the particular text. I think um, when you look at hermeneutics. Yep. The Reformation hermeneutic, the first option is to um, follow the plain sense of the text. So um, when you start questioning things um, that are very plain, it, it, the language is very plain uh, with respect to Genesis 1-2, you have to do a whole lot of jumping through hoops, hermeneutical jumping through hoops to escape that plain meaning of Genesis 1-2. through uh, You know, God created the world in the space of six days. Um, and that's, that's what we're talking about. So uh, it, it yeah. could get hairy with respect to hermeneutics and, um, how you interpret. Yeah. I mean, you really create yourself a massive hermeneutical endless hole mm-hmm. because now you try to have to fill back in with, um, what tax would you take consi- at a literal right. perspective or, uh, what are you going to take as, you know, maybe um, uh, apocalyptic mm-hmm. poetry, um, wisdom, yeah. history. I mean, there's all different types of to, uh, literature in, that we find in scripture, all these different types. Yeah. And yeah. we were actually discussing this prior to the show. Funny that the rabbit mm-hmm. hole has led us to this, but I, right. I won't I won't I won't push it because we weren't really ready for it. Right. Um, but prior to this episode, we were talking about having a whole discussion solely on how can we determine whether some scripture in, in, uh, in the Bible is, can be taken, you know, from a literal perspective, uh, mainly in reflection to like a dispensational premillennialist, um, understanding of the end of times. Like how can we say, well, the, the, you know, the stuff in Daniel, uh, can't be taken, at a literal perspective, it has to be understood in an apocalyptic manner, which then is more of a descriptive manner. Yeah. And, you know, it's not really can't be taken literally and that is not a real 70 weeks. And um, so yeah. we were we were going to go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> but we're not going to for today and no. for your uh, listeners, <laughs> you guys, for your sake. But uh, bear, bear in mind, it, it could potentially come. Yeah. So uh, 
we could we could discuss that. We will. But anyways, going back to the original <laughs> question in Genesis, you're you're right. If we if we say that, you know, it's not a real one day creation order, right? If if each day isn't literally a single day, and it takes God a thousand years, I've heard arguments to 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 both sides, and they both seem to make really good sense. That you know, uh, on one hand, it's you know. Some people argue the language of the Hebrew and say that, well, you know, it's um, just because God took a thousand years. He was just, you know, meticulously doing everything. But at the same time, if you can't literally look at Genesis 1-1 and say, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And we say that God can't do it within his spoken word. Then we really downplay the character nature of who our God is. Yeah. We make him into a human attribute. We limit him based upon our own finite understanding. Right. And I think you would agree to that, that that's not how we should be portraying God. Right. Absolutely. Um, who God is, is in his word. And we cannot even begin to understand God's mind and how things are really put together. His hidden will, uh, how creation happened. How did that really happen? How did he raise Jesus from the dead? Right. Um, it's again, like you said, our finite minds can't comprehend, know the things of God. There's, there's absolutely no way. So, you know, to try to read things into the text to support this theory or that theory, it's, it's a complete mistake to do that. Um, and sometimes we just aren't meant to know things. God didn't reveal it to us. So we need to accept that. But being human, we always want to try to know everything, have an explanation for everything. So I don't know. Um, I think that's where we are. Rabbit holes avoided, yeah. uh, even though we <laughs> seem to find them quite often on this show. And I think a lot of people tend to enjoy listening to them as you drug me down the <laughs> sanctification one last time. Yeah. No, that was um, good, though. It was. Yeah. It was a good one. I, I think that there's a lot of clarification and it helped a lot of people with respect to sanctification and 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 kind of explaining like our, our view of it, uh, that um, it, it was good. So we should follow up definitely. Um, it would mm-hmm. warrant another conversation, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, we, maybe maybe in, in October we can I'll hold yeah. my skill a little bit and we'll discuss Same. it a little bit more. So. Yeah. I think it would be a good thing. Because it's definitely an episode that can always be greatly improved on. And I actually had some good feedback, and I know you did too. Yeah. Um, People were wanting to kind of expand it, and they were really happy with how we explained it and not a, you know, beat you down and do these things type teachings. Yeah, it was good. So we've got... A couple questions in the mailbag um, yes, that we've been sitting on for a while as we've been going through some guest speakers and some topics and mm-hmm. stuff. And so um, we're going to take some time and we're going to address a couple questions and we're going to kind of see where they land. Yeah. Fair enough. It sounds good to me. Let's awesome. do it. All right. So first question. Sickness first appeared due to sin. Do you know? Do you think the level of illness in our world is correlated to sin? Hmm. Good question. It is a good question. Yeah, really good question. Do you want to crack at it? Or do you want me to to go first? No, you you go ahead. You go first. So uh, Genesis, uh, obviously, at the fall, we see that uh, death enters the world, and obviously, death is a 
uh, an effect of sin because all of sin will lead to death. Um, and because now that has death has entered the world, our bodies now decay basically uh, at a at a much more rapid rate than they ever would have in the garden. We were not supposed to die in the garden. And so what we now have is this um, this mortal body that is slowly etching its way towards death, some unfortunately faster than others. And especially when we don't take care of ourselves, um, I, I, I don't know if I could say I, there's not real any scriptural proof to say that the amount of illness in the world correlates to the amount of sin. But it does seem that when sin runs rampant, illnesses and death follows rap- rapidly. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, it, it, I don't think it would be unbiblical to say that with those uh, who are in areas where uh, sin is, is, is kind of heavy, um, no matter what it is, whether it's greed or lust or anger, murdering, whatever your the cup of tea for that area is, uh, I think illness and sickness and disease um, is just as rampant. And I'm going to do a mic drop moment and say even here in the United States because sin is so rampant everywhere and people are so freaking out over the COVID thing. Sometimes you can look back and say, well, COVID could be God's wrath upon America. Hmm. Sorry, evangelicals. <laughs> so, um, so I, I prepared some notes for this particular question. Um, and, and I'm looking at scripture. I think, I believe there is insight to the question. And I think, uh, you were spot on in, in your response uh, earlier with sickness is a result of sin and a fallen world because we're all finite. We weren't created um, to live forever after the fall. Uh, so our body is the temple yep. of the Holy Spirit, and we're to take care of it. So the constant indulging yep. of loose behavior, which is sin, um, can have a negative outcome as a result. I think smoking, drugs, excessive drinking, it all kills the body. And... You know, that's the worldview, party, sex, drugs, alcohol. Um, it's what the world worships, and they shun God. Um, and really where we are is God has given those people over to their own desires and lust, their sinful behavior, which produces a negative effect and can lead to um, illnesses physically and, more right. importantly, spiritual death. So it's that cause and effect. Um, you know, you stay up late partying. Uh, the next morning, you're you're wrecked. So, if you look at John five twelve through fourteen, I think there's you could potentially say Jesus is highlighting this. Um, they asked him, "Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk?" Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus said, found him in the temple and said to him, "See, you are well." Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So if you're looking at that, that, that one part, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you, basically Jesus' comment points potentially to the fact that 
um, sin does have its inevitable consequences, and you see that also in Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Um, I won't read that, but, um, you yeah. know, I think it's it's something to, to, to look at. So I guess in regards to my initial comment, uh, I didn't really maybe think through some of the implications, um, but... And I think you're exactly right. I think sin does have an impact, obviously, right? It, you know, our our own personal sin does have an impact. And I, I hope I tried to make that clear when I first answered. And I, I actually have people um, that I that I have conversations with, and I tell them simply this: that you know, we have to understand that our sin has been forgiven on the cross, right? Christ came, died, was raised from the grave, and our sins were nailed to the cross and we have been renewed. We're new creatures. Uh, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ on us. Um, but that doesn't mean our consequences for sin go away. That doesn't mean that if I sin here, that uh, I'm not going to reap the consequence of that or those around me won't bear the consequences of my sin. Yeah. That's Galatians um, six six uh those who keep reaping mm-hmm. in the field of their old nature in order to meet its demands will yep. eventually reap yep. ruin yeah i mean it's and it's simply that right because we we as creatures are still fallen and that's I, we might have done an episode a while back and we talked about the sinner and the saint right the dual nature yeah because uh, we are um still a sinner we still have the the old adam in us fighting every day to to come to the surface and ruin our lives. And, and that sin that, you know, could come to fruit is, uh, can be anything. It could be simply anger. It could be a, a lie. It could be greed. It could be lost and temptation. It could be all sorts of things. Yeah. And those sins have consequences. You yeah. know, if you lie at work and you get caught, you could lose your job. Yeah, uh, you, you hit it right on the head. Uh, sin, have, sin has consequences. Uh, look at anger. Look what it does to a lot of people. And, um, you know, consequences can be serious with anger, say. You know? It's unreal. And I and I, I struggle with it myself trying to understand the implications that it has not only in my life but my, my family's life. And, you know, and, and I've mentioned this. Uh, often on on podcasts and my Instagram page and things like that, I struggle with anger. I I have um, you know a long history of it, and I've noticed when when I take the time to just sit and think about what I'm going to say and do next, and the way I'm going to react the outcome for that evening is a hundred times better and much different than if I just bull rush into it. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because, uh, you know, I put a post up the other day, uh, yesterday actually, um, uh, on, uh, Proverbs 15, Proverbs mm-hmm. 15, 28 says the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Mm. And, and I put that in in reflection to uh, the riots and the protesting and all that that's been going on. Yeah. But, you know, that ver- proverb has massive implications across 
all sorts of facets within the Christian life. Absolutely. Those who are wise don't quickly run their mouth. Hmm. Um, those who are wise listen and then make a decision based upon the situation that they're in. Yeah. And they don't rush into situations without doing such a thing. So they don't have to make poor decisions. Right. And in the decision thing, I mean, you know, we as Christians in our walk every single day, you know, we're, we're faced with making decisions. And I think, I think that, you know, if you example, and and I'm not saying, you know, the, our bodies are are the temple of God and we should care for them and we should take care of them. So talking about illnesses, I mean, you know, only God knows what God knows with respect to the hours, the days you have on this earth, but certainly you want to take care of the temple of God. So, I mean, if you're making these types of decisions, I'm going to continue to smoke, uh, say there's Mm going to, there's going to, there's going to be an impact, um, eventually because our bodies decide ahead and we're going to, we're going to break down. So I think, you know, you bring a, a, a very accurate point with respect to, you know, the decisions you make, um, and, and what scripture talks about, be slow to speak. And, um, with respect to anger and, you know, and think about the, think about the choices you're going to make now that you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly I think the world, as we come closer and closer to Christ's return, I think that, um, certainly there are more illnesses popping up, um, and more things happening. And, you know, again, it's, I think it's, I think it's very interesting because, um, we can't say, Oh, this is God's wrath, but we can't say it isn't, you know, we, we just don't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the bottom line. But on the other hand, I mean, I think scripture is very clear about that. Not all illnesses and disease are a consequence of sin. Right. Because in John nine, one uh, through three, Jesus states, uh, why uh, that particular man was born blind. It, it oh, was, right, right. The he, blind man. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not due to his son or his parents' sin. Right. But that it was to bring glory to God. Bang. Right. Yep. Exactly. I actually preached a sermon on that. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I think Luke 13, one through five supports the same, the same thing. It's, yep. you know, in, in what um, is outlined with Galileans who were killed uh, by Pilate in Rome, Jesus points out, you know, these men weren't any worse sinners. Yep. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, th- I think we, we look to um, calamities and illnesses and, you know, it's just the wrath of God. And, sure. uh, you know, I, I would say, again, I always go to this and I, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I feel that as though I'm not, I'm not God. I can't, I'm not going to try to outside of scripture you know, make these kinds of claims right. as truth and as fact that absolutely AIDS was, uh, you know, the wrath of God or COVID or I- any other disease, you know, mm-hmm. only God knows, but God has a plan and right. we need to rest sure in his plan in that we as Christians, um, we are supported and we are covered by him. You know, this, um, his love is really over his true believers. And 
I think that that's what we need to rest in, in, in that protection and that love of God, instead of focusing on whether or not, why did this happen? Is this from God? Mm-hmm. You know, when my mom, right. when my mom got cancer, she just retired. She got brain cancer. And I mean, I kid you not, it was two weeks after she was diagnosed and then it was a roller coaster for the it's last three tra- years. Yeah, tragic story. There was absolutely a point where I was like, why did, why did this happen? Why did, why would God let this happen to, you know, a woman who was, you know, everything was to her was, was God. It was Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. why, why? And you know what? I don't know the mind of God, but God has a plan. And, um, I need to rest and trust him. Yep. Are you ready for the rabbit hole? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So two things. First okay. of all, I want to make, I want to make sure listeners understand. And I, and I'm curious at your thoughts on this. I don't believe that drinking and smoking are necessarily sinful things. And, and, and I'll explain that mm-hmm. in the manner that alcohol within reason, drinking wine or having a beer or even drinking a bourbon or a whiskey, as long as it's within control, I don't think it's sinful. Yeah. Now, if you're a drunkard, then yes, I can, I can agree that is sinful because you're putting yourself at danger. You're putting others at danger, things like that. But if I'm at home and I'm having a beer with my family or my friends, mm-hmm. or even if I go out to dinner and have a beer or a drink with my family and friends, I don't think that's sinful in nature. Yeah. I, I, I do know some though that that would say that otherwise. So you please send your hate mail to me. I'll, I'll show you scripture otherwise. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, uh, everything in moderation, I think, that if it's a stumbling block, you got to be careful. Yes. Um, that you don't fall back into something um, or you don't cause somebody else to fall back into something uh, being around you. So it's just being mindful. Um, and again, you know, a beer um, and obviously, you know, cigarette. I, I'm not sure why anybody would want to smoke, but um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. All right. So the second rat. So here's the rabbit hole. Okay. So you said uh, that you don't necessarily think COVID or or anything else is or could necessarily be the wrath of God. And I understand your reasoning because we don't want to pin anything unbiblical upon God. But how could you say that it's not or could you say that it's outside of God's sovereign decree that COVID happened? Yeah. And the only reason I'm bringing COVID into it is because it's relevant right now. Yeah. I, I think that we, we don't, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know if it mm-hmm. is or it isn't. Um, you know, AIDS came out of nowhere. Uh, was it the wrath of God or was it not? I, you know, we, we don't know. And it becomes a, a thing where it's we're a hard question to answer. It is, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a thing where, I mean, we can't put words in God's mouth. We don't know the mind of God. We can't say, you know, this happened. Right. Understand. Yep. Right. So, um, it becomes, now you're creating a speculative notion on, on God's nature. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, exactly. So I, I just think we don't know. And when we start saying, well, this is the wrath of God, well then, you know, I mean, you could say the same for every disaster, every war, Every tragedy throughout uh, since Jesus re- uh, was raised from the dead to now, 
it, everything is the wrath of God. And it could be. I mean, we're fallen. We're sinful. Uh, and and as a right. result of our sinfulness and rebelling against God, things happen. It, it's, it's a fallen world. So, um, you know, to, to be like, that was God's decree. Um, I just, I can't, I can't answer that. Um, I just mm-hmm. don't know. Well, let me, let me maybe fluff the question up a little bit and for the listeners to, uh, potentially, uh, swallow easier. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and they might agree with you. Well, they very well, they very well right. may, but, but I agree with you. I think if we just attest everything to God's wrath, I mean, it makes us feel like we can't enjoy God's love and mercy on us. I guess what we could say is on the notion that um, because sin and death have entered the world, illness follows because our bodies are now dying. Our bodies are now creating ailments and illnesses on its on their own and and we get this through sin and doing sinful nature you know aids comes from homosexual intercourse Mm -hmm. um which is guess what ladies and gentlemen a sin absolutely a sin and so i mean you can go back to this question and say that illness does have a very close tie to sin as we've really started to unpack this question more and yeah yep covid i think covid is 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 i think it in in the in the long scheme of things it is god's wrath but i also think it's a result of the sinful nature of man upon this world i think we've exhausted this question quite well and i hope we've answered it even though it's probably been sitting in our mailbox for like six months (laughs) yeah i think it has been something like that poor mail message yeah so i think we have an audio question is that Correct. Yes, we do. Um, this one's from Stephanie. So uh, let's take a listen. Hello, my name is Stephanie and I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I have a few questions for your podcast. The topic is about getting convicted for sins in order for God to grant us his free gift of faith and salvation. And my first question is, um, in order to get convicted for my sins, do I need to read and study my Bible every day? in order for God to grant me his free gift of salvation and faith. And my next question is, um, if I were to hear a sermon talking about certain sins in my life and habitual sins that I commit in my life that caused me to have fear and um, terror because of the realities from my sins and, um, and habitual sin that I create in my life, that will send me, you know, to damnation and to hell. Can that cause me to to be convicted of my sins to order to repent and believe in the gospel? Thank you. Well, that is a really, really good question. And, and I think we hammered out a decent answer on the last episode in regards to sanctification. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, we touched on it with Praise respect it. to mm-hmm. um, works don't save you. It's only by it's it's from by grace through faith in Christ. And um, and how she kind of phrased the question was was the order. I mean, I think it touches a little bit on the mm-hmm. you know the order of salvation, which the focus is on the act um, 
those acts of God and the response of the individual within salvation. So God calls us, produces regeneration in us so that we can respond with repentance, faith, and obedience. So you have regeneration, then faith, and repentance uh, within the order of salvation. And J.I. Packer summarizes with respect to faith and repentance, repentance is a fruit of faith, which is itself a fruit of regeneration. Uh, Same coin, different sides with faith and repentance. So that God-given faith leads to a turning away from sin and walking towards Jesus. It's it's all God's doing. Uh, nothing we do, say, can save us, um, can regenerate us. That is uh, through the grace of God, putting our faith in Christ right. alone. And I would venture to say that it has to be twofold. For her, for her answer, I guess. Mm-hmm. For, for one, most people, by just picking up the Bible and reading it, without under, without knowing whether they have been regenerated or not, more than likely, if you just pick up the Bible for the first time, chances are you will not understand anything in it, and you will not have any sort of conviction about your sin whatsoever. And and I would even say that many people who are professing Christians who pick up their Bible and read it probably very rarely encounter personal conviction over their own sin. Mm. Let, me, let me explain why. If I give you a text and I tell you, read this text anthony um let's say uh the one that comes to mind that's a pretty easy to go to sin even though it's not in the early transcripts is the woman who was caught in uh adultery you you know that text yeah yep so if i say anthony i want you to read this text and you've never read it before and you read it for the first time you're what are your what do you think your initial thoughts would be if you were just reading it for the first time well, I mean, I think when you're reading scripture for the first time, it's, it's almost like you're just kind of reading a story. You're just navigating through a story and uh, you just don't know exactly, right. right, application. And what is it, you know, how is this convicting me and what is it telling me from the overall application? The, those kinds of things, I think. Right. So you don't think you would be personally convicted of any particular sin, right? Right. Not off the bat. It just doesn't seem like it comes to the forefront that like you are in that story. Not initially. No. So that's why I I say that most people who read their Bible without really studying and understanding and being a, you know, an active member in the church, they're probably not going to be convicted of their sin. So one of the things that Luther, yes, I'm going to my roots here, people. <laughs> you can send your hate mail uh, too. Did you say the L word? Did you say the L word? <laughs> oh boy, Shame that L word. Me. Yeah. Don't say the L word. Come on. Oh no, that's good. That's 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 amazing. Uh, How come it can't be Calvin, yeah, man? Be Calvin. <laughs> uh, Sorry. So so one of the things that Luther really hammers. In, in his pastoral uh, ministry is the uh, is the element of a pastor 
because the pastor is the one that makes God's word come to life for the parishioner. Okay. It is the pastor who stands at the pulpit, delivers the law, which kills and con- convicts and then kills the sinner in the, in the, in the pew or the chair or wherever you sit. Yeah. And then, then the pastor's job is to deliver the gospel that brings them to life. So if I was teaching on that passage from a pastoral standpoint, I would really hammer out the details of what adultery is, right? Yeah. Because you're reading it, and if you're just reading it, you're thinking, oh, this woman got caught in adultery, and now they're going off, of, you know, the, the Pharisees want to stone her, and then Jesus comes up and says, well, you know, whoever, the first, you know, first person without sin can cast the first stone. And so there's a lot of implications and like I would highlight some of the Levitical law and, you know, and I'd, I'd build the context around it, but then I would really drive home the actual law of the passage. And that is the fact that Jesus tells us uh, in a different passage, and I forget which, um, I, I think, he, I think it's in actually all four gospels that if you look upon another woman with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart. And so if I'm going to lay out the law, I'm going to convict my congregation that the chances are of you sitting in that pew, you've looked upon another person of the opposite sex with lust in your eyes. You yourself have committed adultery. Therefore, you have violated God's law and you are a sinner. Right. So how could you get that out of that passage without a pastor telling you how to do it? Right. Yeah. And you're talking about like a, the pastors and teachers for that matter. Um, it's hermeneutics. It's going mm-hmm. through that process. You chosen as a pastor. Um, um, again, that is a, a specific part of the body of Christ that not all are called to do. Right. You know, and you understand hermeneutics, you know, you understand, you know, the historical, social, cultural, um, implications of the text, what, you know, what, how to interpret it, what the author's intent, who the audience was, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. So you can then give the, uh, you know, take that, those verses and provide application. Right. For today. Right. Right. right? Yep. Yep. That's so, exactly it. yeah. And I think you're, you're spot on because, um, I mean, how many, how many people go to church and they just listen and it, it does, it bounces off, you know, in one ear out the other, what, what the pastor is reading. And if, if the pastor is not digging into, you know, the text and, 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 and I think that's a lot of the reason why you have these star mega pastors, because they're like, they don't understand anything about, you know, uh, textual criticism, the hermeneutics, mm-hmm. these yep. types of things. Um, I didn't, I'm again, just, I think coming into meeting you and Nick and Paul and all these guys, I'm now thirsting and for that kind of stuff. And, and it's not for everybody. Right. So to the question, I think, um, you know, with what, what convicts you, it's, it's absolutely the Holy spirit. And how, how does the Holy spirit convict you? The Holy spirit convicts you through reading and studying, but I think what exactly what you're saying through 
a godly pastor. And we mm-hmm. talked about this, about sanctification in, in, yep. on the last episode. Yep. You know, this is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is why, you know, I, progressive sanctification is just huge. I think through all these, these things, uh, these people, these different types of avenues where you, where you're um, getting the word, um, you are convicted, which you are then called to move, um, you know, to the left, to the right, uh, you know, whatever it may be away from uh, the old, uh, because because it, it's true. I mean, you put your faith in Christ. It's not this. It's not a magic pill in the sense that, um, okay, I'm not going to be tempted anymore. And the other aspect to it too, and and the where Luther draws on this is is probably one of the most is one of the pieces of text that I've rested solely on for so long. And it's Romans 10, 10 through 17. And for those who don't know it, very short verses, but I'll, I'm going to read them real quick here in a minute. But Luther draws upon these and he goes on to the level, you know, that God obviously calls the pastor, but he also may hold, a pastor back from a particular church, as we talked about, you know, with uh, um, the illness just a few minutes ago that, you know, this could potentially be God's wrath through various outlet, but God's wrath could be in the manner that he's not going to deliver a particular church, mm-hmm. a godly pastor, because he will not call the Holy Spirit's not going to put somebody in a church where they won't be fruitful. Mm. So Romans 10, 10 through 17 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on him or calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Easy enough. So this is where Luther gets into it here. In 14, he says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How and how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Mm. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, Paul now quotes Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what has what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. And I I I live on these seven verses. Mm. And 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 solely because you can't hear and be convicted of your sin unless you have somebody telling you you're a sinner. Yeah. Because if you read the Bible, here's what you're gonna do. And and I'm not I'm not trying to like target, you know, um our our audio question, but I'm just targeting, you know, person A with the story of adultery that I brought up. If you read that story, chances are you're gonna say, Well, I've never slept with anybody other than my spouse, so I'm good. But you may miss over the text that Jesus says that if you look upon another person with lust, you've committed adultery. Mm. Or yeah. you may get to that. And you may like, you're going to rationalize with yourself. Well, you know, I, I, I would never really do it. You know, I'd never really act on it. Right. But then think about it. How often or how prevalent 
is porn addiction in the church. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, throw anything out there, but I get people that DM me all the time about it. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I've had people DM me about that as well. And, um, it, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, what's interesting about that is, um, you know, and this goes to the work of the Holy spirit. Um, and with respect to that particular looking upon with lust, I think that is one of the areas that I think is, 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 is an amazing area that, you know, relying and through prayer and, and, and study again, like we're talking about through hearing the word preached by godly preachers, pastors, um, it's amazing the work the Holy Spirit can actually do with with that lust um, oh, yeah. sin. Because, I mean, you know, I'm going back to sanctification. I, you know, in my own life, mm-hmm. it's it's something that is just it's unbelievable. I, I can't really express it. I can't really put it into words. But the change inside of me um, from the time that I put my faith in Christ to now where I am in my walk, I mean, I never thought I'd be where I am ever, yeah. ever. Same here. You know, we've talked about that, the whole, you know, progressive sanctification and we talked about how it measures with justification. And, you know, it's, I put that quiz box up in my Instagram feed the other day. And um, it's interesting how I get so many different answers to the same question. Yeah. And, 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 not to say that they were wrong, but they're just different. Yeah. Everybody has a different, again, different hermeneutics, a different understanding of scripture. But in reality, these are core truths to this, to our, to our faith. You know, you're justified by Christ alone, by his works on the cross. You are justified. You are made righteous. Uh, somebody actually went to the length to say that it is a legal term which is correct to declare that you are no longer a sinner in the eyes of God. And, and I heard a whole range of, Hmm. you know, responses, which is, you know, interesting. It just, what it does to me is it makes me more empowered that I have more work to do. Yeah. As a preacher. We're no longer sinners in the eyes of God because he sees us through the eyes of Jesus because we've taken on Jesus. We've, right. we, we are saved by his blood. But I mean, there was only one sinless, um, in the, sinless person that walked this earth earth. And that was Jesus Christ, the, you know, yep. the man God, that was exactly. it. Yep. So, you know, you, you may not outwardly sin, but you know, it's the sin of the mm-hmm. mind, sin of the eyes, sin of the yep. heart. Yep. Yeah, you may not you may not be uh, outwardly, you know, cheating on your spouse or killing people, but boy, you may have anger problems and you may have a porn addiction or you may be a drunkard or you may be this and that. And and I'll tell you, I was going to say something after your your comment about the the Paul Washer and and Sproul and them guys. A good preacher will will dry will will literally kill you in the pew mm. with, with your with the law they will kill you they they will make you go i am I, I have no hope i'm dead i'm a sinner 
right. the only way to pay for your sin is is through blood. See that Genesis three fifteen. Yeah. Um, the only way to pay for your sin is blood, and that means you must die. But a good preacher doesn't leave you there. Yeah. A good preacher will kill you and then give you the gospel and show you that your penalty has already been paid for. And Christ has carried that burden to the cross and left it there. Right. That is what a good Christian, a good preacher will do. Yeah, absolutely. And and not to say that you're going to get, you know, not every sermon you're going to hear from, you know, Sproul or MacArthur or Washer or Bauckham is going to be fire. I mean, no, you're right. Can, can I vent for a minute? Sure. Are you, are you going to vent about the uh, the sermons that you hear on like Father's Day or Mother's Day? <laughs> no, no, but those are terrible anyways. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, you those know. are terrible. I know, right? There's an issue, I think, with modern, um, and, and I'm probably going to put the foot down on the Calvinist movement because I deal with the repercussions from people in my DMs on this. Yeah. I get people that come to me that are so guilt ridden about their sin. Mm. They are just, I mean, these people are tragically being crushed under the weight of their own sin because all they hear is how wretched they are. Well, you're this, wretched sinner you you know violated god's law and you should be punished and god is madder than a wet hen in a snowstorm at you yeah i mean and they they deliver so much of the law to a person they they just hammer and hammer and hammer you're not reading your bible enough you don't pray enough are you giving enough money to the church are you helping enough with your community you know and then you get the woke Christians. Are you doing enough for Black Lives Matter? Are you wearing your mask everywhere? <laughs> yeah. You can't win. It's so legalistic. Let me let me say this. Those people are nothing better than the than the Roman Catholic heretics that Luther and Calvin and Knox broke away from. Yeah. If Calvin was alive today, he would be shaking his head. I think. Um you know, the beating of your chest and the woe is me and I'm just completely depraved and just kind of this whole dark I'm in misery over my sin, you know, that's, it, it becomes a little much. And I think that seriously, you, you, you look at Christ and, and, and we imagine Christ as this monotone figure that didn't have expression, didn't have joy. The apostles didn't have joy. And I just think that's, that's not true. There's so much joy in scripture that we need to, we should be thankful for. And we're a part of, of the redemptive plan of, of God through Jesus Christ and his Mm -hmm. blood. So we should have joy, but we should also be broken over our sins, certainly. So we don't return to it. Uh, So that's just some thoughts I have on, on it. And you hit it, you hit it so well in the last episode about, all these legalistic rules and and things we get bound up in. Um, I have to read the Bible X amount of times a day. Yep. Have yep. to go to Same church. Here. I have to serve in youth ministry. Or the right, it's it's just that yeah. does not save you. That does not save you. It it can certainly edify you, 
but you shouldn't beat yourself up. Um, you know, there are different seasons in life and God mm-hmm. is navigating you through that. And, um, you know, you have to just rely. I just believe you rely on the strength of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And um, that's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. Um, and that's, it's it's only through Christ that we're saved, not by our actions or works, but certainly we bear fruit. And, uh, you know, we're edified over over time through scripture and through through different teachers. So it's it, it really is a beautiful thing and we shouldn't be down or, or, or get down that, you know, we're not making it to church or not meeting certain expectations that we put upon ourselves that, um, again, point to really legalism. Absolutely. And I think I think what we tend to um, what we tend to get wrapped up in as Christians is this whole concept of trying to be and I and I hate this phrase better than what I was yesterday. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm just trying to be holier than I was yesterday, bro. <laughs> and again, going back to my comment about you know these people who just come to me crush. I have I have a uh, a person, and I'm not going to give details about it, but. Um, they have on from numerous times expressed how much they feel crushed by their sin. Mm. And I continuously over and over tell them that Christ doesn't leave them there. Christ has forgiven those sins and has moved them away from their sin. Yeah. And you know, that I think is a big issue. We see it in both fronts, right? We see these weak churches that don't talk anything about, you know, uh, sin and repentance, law and gospel from the pulpit. And then we see churches to the far extreme of that, that only talk about obedience and application and the law. They don't talk to you about the gospel. Yeah. And there's, I can't say there's a medium because there's not, there has to be, there has, you have to be closer to the, to the, to the application and law side than you do the fluffy, you know, side. If you catch my drift. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to add the gospel because that's the whole point. You didn't see you don't see Peter and Paul going around saying, make sure you read your Bibles six times a day and memorize Bible verses. And then, oh, by all means, you know, pray and give alms and donate to the church. OK, you guys are saved. Let's go move on. You know, yeah. and if you're not doing this, that and the other, then you're 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 going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're not earning merit. Uh, with God, we're when you move away from sin, you know we're disciplining ourselves because God loved us, and you know we love God, obviously, um, being a changed person. Yeah. So, um, I, I I think it's it's a thing of you know you work towards moving away from sin, and but it shouldn't bog us down. It shouldn't put us in a place where. Uh, we're feeling feeling crushed, um, you know. But we, but we lay it aside. I mean, Hebrews twelve one through two talks about um, you know lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance that race that is set before us. I think that's the goal ultimately. But there's yep. joy in the Lord, and we should celebrate that absolutely, um, and not and know that like you said, Jesus did pay it. And that's what makes us different. Jesus, we have Christ yep. in light in our lives. We're covered. So that's that's a great thing right there. 
But we, but we do. We we lay aside the weight and and the sin, and we need to do what we need to mm-hmm. do. We need to, you know, if porn is a problem, you know, you 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 cut your internet, right? You you do everything you can uh, as uh, humans. We're humans. Yep. To remove these things. Yeah. So I think that's mainly what it's about. And and it can get frustrating. I get frustrated. But just remove these types of things. Yeah. Right? Get rid of what's causing you to sin. Exactly. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. part of that, we say it again, sanctification process. You, you lay aside the sin, uh, gouge out your eye. And we talked about that in the last episode. Look. It's it's not like Bill Johnson's daughter said it's it's, it's a oh magic genie, right? A little blue genie that comes out and oh, talks to you, right? And taps you on your shoulder. That isn't how it works. Satan is powerful. You have to. We have a responsibility. You have to put it in the work. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's an endless circle that I think we we seem to always find ourselves talking about. Yeah, we do. Never ends. Um, and uh, we talked about it last episode, and I think we'll talk about it much, much more in the future. Yeah. But I think we've, yeah, I think we've nailed uh, quite a bit of our time on uh, the three recordings yeah. that we have. And you may not see how sanctification. We're, for sure. we're already almost at an hour of this one. Twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we can wrap it up right about now. Time to wrap it. Yeah, it was good. This was a good episode. So we'll be back October 15th. Um, so you will hear us then, and we'll be probably discussing more. Uh, I think we got a couple things in mind, but we will also probably put out the mailbox to see if we can get some questions in that. Um, I've got stuff that people sent me over time, and I can always venture in there as well. But All right. So ladies and gentlemen... Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thank you. And we will catch you in two weeks. God bless. God bless. Have a great week.